The talk you are about to hear is by Zen teacher Sensei Amala Wrightson. Master Hakuin's chant and praise of Zazen. From the very beginning all beings are Buddha. Like water and ice, without water no ice, outside us no Buddhas. How near the truth, yet how far we seek. Like one in water crying, I thirst. Like a child of rich birth, wandering poor on this earth, we endlessly circle the six worlds. The cause of our sorrow is ego delusion. From dark path to dark path we've wandered in darkness. How can we be free from birth and death? The gateway to freedom is Sazen Samadhi. Beyond exaltation, beyond all our praises, the pure Mahayana. Upholding the precepts, repentance and giving, the countless good deeds and the way of right living all come from Sazen. Thus one true Samadhi extinguishes evils. It purifies karma, dissolving obstructions. Then where are the dark paths to lead us astray? The pure lotus land is not far away. Hearing this truth, heart humble and grateful, to praise and embrace it, to practice its wisdom, brings unending blessings, brings mountains of merit. And when we turn inward and prove our true nature, that true self is no self, our own self is no self, we go beyond ego and pass clever words. Then the gate to the oneness of cause and effect is thrown open. Not two and not three, straight ahead runs the way. Our form now being no form, and going and returning we never leave home. Our thought now being no thought, our dancing and songs are the voice of the Dharma. How vast is the heaven of boundless samadhi. How bright and transparent the moonlight of wisdom. What is there outside us? What is there we lack? Nirvana is openly shown to our eyes. This earth where we stand is the pure lotus land, and this very body, the body of Buddha. Today is Tuesday the 28th of July, 2020. And when people listen to this recording, we'll be coming near to the end of our first day of this four-day uh, online July session. For this session, I'm going to be reading and commenting on passages from Cultivating the Empty Field, The Silent Illumination of Master Hongzhou, translated by Taigen Daniel Leighton uh, with Yi Wu. This is a, a text that I return to again and again. Um, it is a text that... that, uh, that uh, points to the practice of silent illumination. Um, this is a, the Chinese practice that is a precursor of uh, Shikantaza that we take up in our training. But it's also uh, applicable 
in many ways beyond that particular practice. And we'll we'll um, look to kind of pull out those those um, those teachings as we go along. In in many ways, the, the passages that we'll be reading uh, are not so much instruction as they are uh, really a, po a poetic expression of of awakened mind itself, um, or or a speech or, or words coming from that place of awakening. And, and because of its poetic nature, we could maybe describe it as inspiration rather than instruction. Certainly that's the way I find it myself. And uh, words to be, to be savoured, to be digested slowly, uh, to, to be returned to again and again. Before we... Um, delve into the text itself, um, just a little bit of um, biographical material on Master Hongzhi, and um, for this I'm drawing on the, the uh, introduction to the text by um, Daniel, Tigan Daniel Layton. His dates are uh, 1091 to 1157. Um, just to anchor those dates in, in history, the year um, 1000 was um, a time when the Ghana Empire was at its height in Africa. Um, go forward a little to 1066, of course a familiar date for um, Europeans, at least um, French and English ones. It's the, the date of the, the Norman invasion of, of England. Um, our language reflects um, still reflects that that uh, event with many words coming into our lang into English from from um, Norman, and then um, 1096, which is just uh, five years after Hong Zhou was born, was the start of uh, the Crusades. So it seems. Um, very distant to us in some ways, uh, but also not so distant with the effects of, of events then still um, having their their ramifications now. Hongzhou was born in uh, Suzhou, uh, which is in present-day Shanxi province, to a family named Li. Um, Although Hongzhi, or Vast Wisdom, was a posthumous name bestowed by the emperor, um, Leighton uses it um, throughout the work. 
Uh, it's one of the things we have to work with um, as, as students of Zen and Chan is um, uh, a lot of these masters had multiple names and uh, not only that but we, we hear the names both in the original Chinese and in the um, Japanese transliterations of the names so this can be quite a mild minefield in, in terms of actually um, recognizing uh, these masters when we encounter them in stories. But just to explain it for um, Hong Zhe, um, during his life he um, would have been called uh, Zheng Zhui and then later on Tian Tong Zheng Zhui. Um, Zheng Zhui means correct or true awakening and that was his ordination name. And then Tian Tong was the mountain where his temple stood. And um, often uh, abbots of temples would would um, take the name of the mountain that the temple was on. And it's an interesting um, phenomenon this in the sense that it, it points to um, deep connections to a location, to a to um, a particular um, piece of land. Um, Hongzhi's name in Japanese is Wanshi Shogaku. The accounts um, report that Hongzhi was a very intelligent child memorizing several thousand characters before he was even reached the age of seven. Um, his father was a lay disciple of um, a Rinzai master and um, this master was um, impressed with um, Hongzhi and predicted that he would become a vessel of the Dharma. In other words, one who, who can realize and transmit the teaching to others. So, Hongzhi was only 11 when he left home to become a monk. And coming from, from a, um, a Chan family, family no, doubt, no, no doubt they would be, the parents would be um, supportive of this um, move of his. Um, at the age of 18, he went to study with a um, Soto Tsaodong Chan master, Kumu Fa-Cheng, who dates at 1071 to 1128. And Lajan writes, Kumu's style of practice involved sitting meditation so still that his body was said to resemble a block of dry wood. Hence his name means dry wood complete Dharma. Um, his school was actually referred to um, uh, as the, the tree stump sect. See a, uh, a zendo full of, of his sitters and they all resemble, resemble um, dead tree stumps. A compliment, in, in the, you could say. 
Pongjo emulated this practice of upright, immobile meditation throughout his career. And we, we continue to emulate this. this um, to sit still is it's almost to be halfway there. To truly be able to settle the body um, gives us gives us the basis for settling the mind. After a few years with um, uh, Kumu Fachung, Hongjo travelled to other temples and at uh, Shang Shan, which means Incense Mountain Temple, Hongjo overheard a monk reciting a line from the Avatamska Sutra, a flower ornament sutra. Um, he heard the monk say, The eyes which our parents gave us can behold 3,000 words. And we're told that on hearing this, uh, Hongjo experienced uh, an initial awakening. The eyes which our parents gave us can behold 3,000 worlds. Presumably the eyes that we, we get from our parents are our ordinary eyes, our flesh and blood eyes. When Hongzhi told uh, Master uh, Shang Chan, and again he, he has this Master has taken the name of the, the temple, the mountain on which the temple stands. When Hongzhi told Master Shang Chan of his experience, Shang Chan pointed to a box of incense and asked, "What is inside?" Hongzhi said, "What does the mind do?" Shang Chan asked. Where does your enlightenment come from? Hongzhi drew a circle in the air with his hands and threw it behind him. Shangshan said, You are a man who possesses muddiness. What is your capacity? Hongzhi said, Mistake. Shangshan said, Don't show other people. And Hongzhi replied, Yes, yes. And Leighton comments on this. He says, Such dialogues have their own logic and function most effectively with minimal explanation. That's true, but we often go on to explain a little bit, and this is what Leighton says. Hongzhi's response to Shangshan about the incense box reflects his understanding of the total interpenetration of mind and phenomena. One way of understanding what mind and and things are is that um, the inside of things is mind and the outside of mind is things. There's a line that we, we chant when we do the affirming faith in mind. Mind is mind because of things as things are things because of mind. They, they condition each other.
what does he mean when he re replies to to um, Shangshan's question, you are a man who produces muddiness. What is your capacity? He says, Hongzhen says, mistake. It's very en enigmatic. Whose mistake? Shangshan's mistake? Hongzhen's mistake? What was he talking about? Leighton comments that later, Dogen would echo Hongzhu when he called his own life one continuous mistake. Practice, and especially koan work, um, requires us to become willing to have, uh, to make mistakes over and over again. And, uh, of course, Recognizing a mistake, if we, if we see an error we've made, of course, then it's, it's no longer just an error. It's, it's, we transform our mistakes into wisdom. We can be sure in this that when Shangshan says, you're a man who produces muddiness, he was he was um, prodding Hongzhou. He was testing him. There are there are numerous examples of throughout the stories of Zen. Um, think of um, Shoju. Um, Ruoyan, I think it is um, Hakuin's teacher. Who, who repeatedly referred to him as a poor cave-dwelling devil. If we want a, a good indicator of how our practice is going, we can look at how we respond to provocation, to criticism, insults. Hongzhou left Shangshan and at the age of 23 arrived at the temple of Danxia Zichen. His dates are 1054 to 1119. And he, he is a Soto master who um, appears in our lineage. Danxia asked Hongzhou what is yourself before the empty kalpa? The, there's a, a footnote about this empty kalpa. It's, um, I can write that the self before the empty kalpa 
when the material universe does not yet exist. So we could say, if we were to modernize it, we'd say, what is yourself before the Big Bang? So the self before the empty kalpa, when the material universe does not yet exist, is considered one's essential nature. It is a common Zen expression for probing true self or ultimate meaning, ultimate understanding, synonymous for the original face or your face before your parents were born. And the kalpa, of course, is, a, is a, an infinitely vast period of time. Eon, Kalpa is an eon, and this this formulation comes out of Buddhist cosmology, in which each universe um, exists for a cycle of four eons, four Kalpas: the empty, the becoming, the abiding, and the decaying Kalpas. So um, this actually lines up with some theories of of cosmology that that um, the the universe exists in a in a series of big bangs and big crunches. So vast expansion expansion of the universe and then a complete um, collapse and then an expansion and a collapse, so forth, so forth. Hongzhi's reply to uh, Danxia is frog in a well swallows the moon. At midnight I do not borrow a lantern. And Dansha replies, not yet. And then as Hongzhi was about to respond, Dansha beat him with his whisk and asked, do you still say you do not borrow? And at this, Hongzhi, we're told, experienced some understanding and bowed. And Dansha said, why don't you make a statement? Hongzhi said, today I lost money and was punished. And then Dansha replied, I have no time to beat you up. Leighton continues, Hongzhi's response about not borrowing a lantern at midnight expresses the soto sense of the interfusion of light and darkness. Right in the blackness of merging with emptiness, the light of differentiation naturally emerges. Uh, we could also uh, link it to the um, principle of yin and yang within in, um, ancient uh, Chinese tradition. Hongzhi's response also refers to the story of a monk departing from his teacher in the middle of the night. The teacher handed the, the student a lantern and then as the student started to enter the darkness, blew out the flame, whereupon the student was awakened. Um, this is, of course, a reference to uh, Toksan and Wutan. When that... Um, and plunged into utter darkness as, as Toksan went out outside with a moment where um, he saw without seeing 
Danxia did not accept Hongzhou's first answer and picked up on his word borrow to emphasize the student's relationship to the teacher and the necessity of intimately experiencing the truth. Tokusan, of course, had this vast knowledge of, of um, the Diamond Sutra, and yet um, he, he realized um, as he was coming to Yutan's temple to, to um, engage with him in uh, sort of polemics about the value of the, of the Diamond Sutra, uh, stopping on the way, an old lady asked him if he wanted a cake and when he said yes she said you can have a cake if you you can answer my question which mind will eat the cake past mind present mind or future mind he wasn't he wasn't able to answer this question which went back to a teaching in the diamond sutra past mind is ungraspable present mind is ungraspable future mind is ungraspable and relate this, this ungraspability to the pitch black that he was plunged into when the candle was blown out. So Dan Xia Zichen was, was a Dharma brother of um, Hongzhou's former teacher Kumu. And they um, were both disciples of um, Furung Daokai, who's also in our, our ancestral line, direct forebear for us. Furong had been a, a revitalizer of um, the Chaodong school and was, was um, impressed. Hongzhou, especially his resistance to um, uh, elaborate kinds of honours that the emperor offered him, which when he then refused them, um, he had to go into exile for a number of years to to stay out of the heat of the of the imperial court. So Hongzhou went on to spend several years studying with studying with Dan Shah and um, eventually uh, before Dan Shah's death in in eleven nineteen, Hongzhou um, received um, his seal of transmission. He lived in went on to live in various temples, um, including um, visits to a monastery on Yunju Mountain in Kangxi, where he he trained under Yuan Wu, the famous um, collector of the um, koans of the Blue Cliff Record. And it may be here that um, 
Kunjo has got the inspiration to later compile his own collection of, of koans, the Book of Serenity. In 1129, um, Hongzhou um, accepted an invitation to teach at uh, Jingdei Monastery on Mount Tiantong in Ming Province, which is in modern Zhejiang. Um, Jingdei means bright virtue. When Hongzhou arrived at um, Jingdei Monastery, it was uh, very um, in, uh, dilapidated in need of repairs and so he, he undertook a major project to reconstruct the temple which was already old at that time and um, eventually it could accommodate um, 1,200 practitioners. This, this um, temple still exists in um, near Ningbo on the coast of China and um, Richard and I visited it in 2001. It is uh, large and impressive and um, still had the, the huge cast iron um, cooking pots, enormous things that were used to um, cook the rice for the monks. Leighton writes that Hongzhou seems to have been unflappable amid the difficulties of the building project that he undertook, the expansion of the temple. Master Dogen tells the story of um, a time when Hongzhou's monastery um, had provisions for a thousand monks, but that there were an extra five or six hundred who had gathered, and an officer of the temple implored Hongzhou to send away the extra monks. And Hongzhu replied, each of them has his own ma mouth. It is not your concern. Do not worry about it. In other words, he, he, he um, saw the um, karma of the individual monks. Each has his own mouth he said, as um, being what would determine um, their experience of the practice at that, at that monastery. He saw that the difficulties of that we encounter are fuel for our practice. And so it's not, ne not necessary to get caught up in having perfect conditions for training. Leighton writes, he was, this was a period of political and social turmoil in China, often accompanied by sporadic disruptions of agriculture and widespread hunger. Although it was no longer the custom in Zen temples, 
Hung Zhe himself took no food after noon. On various occasions he donated food from the temple supply to nearby villages, thereby saving many lives. From his arrival in 1129, Hongzhou remained on Mount Tiantong, refusing all invitations to leave. And apparently he, he stayed on the mountain teaching um, many students right through until 1157. And then at that point, he journeyed down the mountain for the first time in nearly 30 years. He visited local uh, officials, military people, lay patrons of the temple to say goodbye to them and to thank them for their support. And then he returned to the temple, um, bathed, put on a fresh robe, and went to the Dharma Hall and gave his last taisho. Then he asked his his attendant for a brush, and wrote a letter to his colleague, um, Da Hui Zonggao, the, the firebrand um, champion of um, koan practice, and asked him to take charge of his temple, to be his, his executor in a sense. And then he took up his brush and wrote the following verse. Illusory dreams, phantom flowers, 67 years. A white bird vanishes in the mist. Autumn waters merge with the sky. Illusory dreams, phantom flowers, 67 years. A white bird vanishes in the mist. Autumn waters merge with the sky. Beautiful images of uh, dispersal. Nothing violent, nothing dramatic, just um, fading away. Merging. He then passed away in formal meditation position, and then it is said that his body remained fresh in its coffin for seven days. But this is this is considered to be in Buddhism a a sign of um, spiritual. Um, maturity or advanced um, evolution. There was a, um, there was a, a uh, lama in, in Dunedin in New Zealand who, whose um, corpse was said to stay fresh for, for 18 days after death. 
and it was after his death that the song Emperor Gao Song gave him the posthumous title of Hongju Chanshu, Vast Wisdom Chan Master. And um, he had many direct successors who continued on his, his teaching after him. So that's just a, just a little bit about Hongzhu, and now we'll we'll um, turn to the text, and this is um, the a section entitled Practice Instructions, and they were compli- compiled by a monk. Um, Chong. And these are short passages which um, uh, the translator Leighton has added um, titles to. These don't appear in the original text. The first one is headed up the bright, boundless field. And with each of these, I'm going to read. I'll read the whole passage, and then we'll we'll take a look at some of the details in it. The field of boundless emptiness is what exists from the very beginning. You must purify, cure, grind down, or brush away all the tendencies you have fabricated into apparent habits. Then you can reside in the clear circle of brightness. Utter emptiness has no image. Upright independence does not rely on anything. Just expand and illuminate the original truth unconcerned by external conditions. Accordingly, we are told to realize that not a single thing exists. In this field, birth and death do not appear. The deep source, transparent down to the bottom, can radiantly shine and can respond unencumbered to each speck of dust without becoming its partner. The subtlety of seeing and hearing transcends mere colors and sounds. The whole affair functions without leaving traces and mirrors without obscurations. Very naturally, minds and dharmas emerge and harmonize. An ancient said that non-mind embodies and fulfills the way of non-mind. Embodying and fulfilling the way of non-mind, finally, you can rest. Proceeding, you are able to guide the assembly. With thoughts clear, sitting silently, wander into the center of the circle of wonder. This is how you must penetrate and study. field of boundless emptiness is what exists from the very beginning. You must purify, cure, grind down or brush away all the tendencies you have fabricated into apparent habits. Then you can reside in the clear circle of brightness. 
what what jumps out in this in this these few lines um these um, verbs that that uh, Hongzhou uses to describe our practice you must purify cure grind down or brush away all the tendencies you have fabricated into apparent habits in order to enter into this boundless field of emptiness, this clear circle of brightness. Sometimes um, the practice that, that Hongzhou took toward silent illumination is accused of being quietistic or um, a, kind of, a kind of passive dead end. But these, these verbs that um, Hongzhou uses anything but passive, purify, cure, grind down, or brush away. They're quite different too, in terms of their their sort of energy, their quality. We must purify all our tendencies, our habits, our conditioning. It's was talking about here. Especially with this word purify, maybe referring to the, the poisons, the three poisons of greed, hatred and delusion that plague us. Each of these, if, if seen into, is transformed. Greed falls away and there's generosity. Anger falls away and there's wisdom, energy. Confusion, delusion fall away and there's truth seen clearly. Cure is a, an interesting word. You can understand it in two different ways. We cure illnesses with medicine, but we also cure things by by leaving them alone, like certain foods are cured. To grind down or brush away. I think most of us can, can relate to this, this first one, grind down. Sometimes the work feels like that. It feels like we're, we're trying to grind down a piece of granite. It's hard work. It feels like labor, really hard labor. But then sometimes it's light, this practice. We just can brush things away, flick them off. Whatever arises, we need to find the most skillful way to work with what arises. Different habits will will take different approaches. But it's an active process. We, we 
need to engage ourselves fully with it. Take away those 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 habits of of seeing and experiencing and the clear circle of brightness comes to the fore. Is it is now possible to be seen clearly. Utter emptiness has no image. Upright independence does not rely on anything. Just expand and illuminate the original truth unconcerned by external conditions. Utter emptiness has no image. Whatever ideas we have about things, that's not it. Drop all our all our ideas about things, all our ways in which we visualize. Just expand and illuminate the original truth unconcerned by external conditions. Whatever whatever conditions we face to just use them, to grist for the mill. Accordingly, we are told to realize that not a single thing exists. Not a single thing exists independently. Not a single thing is permanent. Everything exists as, as something that's flowing. Waves on the surface of the ocean is a, a good way to understand how things exist. Rising and falling. Taking on a particular shape for a certain time and then dissolving back into the ocean. In this field, birth and death do not appear. If we understand things, if we understand ourselves and others and all things as being waves on the surface of the ocean, then where is the, where is the birth or death? There's a provisional birth and death of, of each wave, but those waves arise out of and return to the great ocean. The deep source, transparent down to the bottom, can radiantly shine and can respond unencumbered to each speck of dust without becoming its partner. This is a lovely image for doing shikantaza. That whatever whatever arises, whatever speck of dust comes into um, our awareness, we can illuminate that that dust, recognize it, and without um, identifying with it, 
Ellen Wallace talks about about cognitive fusion, where where we um, We think that what arises in the mind is is um, real in ourselves. We identify with uh, uh, a particular thought, an angry thought or a jealous thought, and we're already already reacting to those thoughts as if something was actually happening to us rather than just thinking something. But if we can see things arise and and fall away, then we won't be um, seduced by them. whole affair functions without leaving traces and mirrors without obscurations. Our mind is like a mirror. No, no trace is left in the mirror when what is reflecting is, moves away. Embodying and fulfilling the way of no mind, finally you can rest. The way of no mind is the way of non-identification, non, um, not getting stuck in what comes into the mind. Which means just just experiencing what arises rather than uh, labeling good or bad or um, ignoring what is there. Bodying and fulfilling the way of non-mind, finally you can rest. This is not a rest of... Um, nothing going on, but a rest of, of allowing everything to arise and pass away without getting stuck anywhere. Proceeding, you are able to guide the assembly with thoughts clear, sitting silently, wander into the center of the circle of wonder. This is how you must penetrate and study. Wander into the center of the circle of wonder. This image of, of wandering comes up a lot in, in our tradition. Wandering, wandering on pilgrimage, for instance. Concrete or concrete form of wandering. 
Wandering implies that we we have a, a fixed straight line path that we're we're travelling along. Rather, there's this there's this fluid quality to our movement. Openness, wander into the center of the circle of wonder. This wonder is, is right at the beginning of Buddhism, in the statement of the Buddha at his awakening. Wonder of wonders. Ah, this is how it is. All of our practices really are designed to open us to wonder, whether it's coming back to the present through the breath, or questioning the koan, or doing shikantaza. To, to open the mind to what is right before us. This is how you must penetrate and study. We'll stop there and recite the four vows. All beings without number, I vow to liberate endless blind passions, I vow to uproot Dharma gates beyond measure, I vow to penetrate the great way of Buddha, I vow to attain all beings without number, I vow to liberate endless blind passions, I vow to uproot Dharma gates beyond measure, I vow to penetrate the great way of Buddha, I vow to attain all beings without number, I vow to liberate endless blind passions, I vow to uproot Dharma gates beyond measure, I vow to penetrate the great way of Buddha, I vow to attain. The teaching you have received is offered freely. If you would like to make a donation to support the continuation of this podcast service or learn more about practice opportunities at the Auckland Zen Centre, please visit 
aucklandsyoung.org.nz